Hi, and welcome to the Oyster Stew podcast. I'm Libby Hall, Director of Communications for Oyster Consulting. Risk assessments and rules are the drivers for creating a compliance calendar. Risk assessments help prioritize your tasks and testing, and of course, the rules dictate what is required to be done to remain compliant. So how do you make sure you're following the rules and protecting your firm? By having an effective compliance calendar. In today's podcast, Oyster compliance experts who work with a variety of clients and business models share tips they've learned on how to build an effective and efficient compliance calendar. Thank you, Libby. I'm Buddy Doyle. I'm uh, pleased to be joined today by Candy, Lance, and Sarah. Uh, welcome so much. Today we're talking about compliance calendars and how to construct an effective and efficient compliance calendar. And um, Lance, why don't we start with you? Maybe you can tell us, how do we get started on this? Hey, buddy, uh, thanks very much. Um, I think a good way to do this is to tie this back to a couple of recent podcast series that we've done uh, and just talk about how you work from rules into your risk assessment into your, into your calendar, because it's the rules and the risk assessment that really drive it. Um, a couple of series ago, uh, we talked about the new DOL rollover rule, um, the prohibited transaction exemption, which is PTE 202 for short. Um, if you're not familiar with that, it imposes analysis and disclosure obligations on people who participate in rollovers from qualified plans into IRAs. Um, and it has some very severe penalties and also some big, some very stringent requirements as part of the rule itself. Another nice series of podcasts that we just did was uh, we did a few where we talked about risk assessments, where you analyze the rules and the risks and the controls in your business. When we talked about the risk assessments, you want to analyze your controls and your environment and the rule itself and how much the regulators care about it. So if you take the requirements of PTE 2020-02, when you do your risk assessment around PTE 2020-02, what you have is a very new rule. It's one that the regulators have told us they care a lot about. Your controls are untested. You haven't really even tested the data integrity of the reports that you're using to determine what your rollovers even are. And your penalties for getting this wrong are enough to, to kill your entire business. So when you're creating your calendar, the rule for PTE 2020-02 says that you have to do an annual review of this thing. But when you look at your risk assessment, what you find out is that if you get anything wrong, the further, the more time passes, the more expensive it's going to be for you. And on a lot of things, if you get a lot of things wrong, it's going to kill you. So your risk, risk assessment looks like this. We have a new rule. We don't know how effective our training is. We don't know how effective our data integrity is. We don't know how effective the reports are that we've been using to, to test ourselves against this rule. And, and we haven't tested all our controls yet. So when you look at all those things, your calendar is driven by the things that you have to test, which is your analysis um, and your effectiveness in delivering these disclosures. You test that against your, your, the information that you've been using. And the combination of these things and your inexperience with this rule are going to drive you to test this thing almost daily at first. And as you progress and become a little bit more comfortable with your data and your methodology and your testing methods, and your people's ability to understand how the how to implement these procedures, um, you might back that off to a week 
or you might back it off to a monthly test. But eventually, the, the, the rule itself and the risk assessment are going to drive the frequency of your calendar as well as what you have to do to test your implementation of those procedures. Thank you, Lance. You did a great job of talking about how to implement uh, a new rule into your, your compliance calendar and some of those risk-based considerations. Candy, do you have any additional thoughts on the sort of the new rule process and, and how you go through that? Uh, yes, thanks, Betty. Yes, I agree with what Lance said. Um, it, it is a great tool to use when implementing a new rule. And I think one of the other aspects you could do is instead of just generally for a new rule, you know, having, say, one item on your calendar that you need to go back and test your rollovers uh, for the DOE, DOL PTE rule, for instance. Uh, you could also break that down into multiple calendar items if you needed to, say, for the first quarter, the first six months, the first year, to ensure that you're covering every little aspect. And then that may help you zone into what your risks are or areas that you need to adjust your practice or processes around. And then with time, those would consolidate back into, you know, a few items or less frequency as you move along and understand that you are following the new rule as you need to be. And Sarah, I think Lance and Candy have, have done a good job of talking about sort of the, the new rule process. And uh, I know folks think about new rules and they think about policies and procedures, but it obviously goes beyond that to this risk-based approach of compliance. Um, so Sarah, do you have any sort of thoughts about how you would incorporate your, your new obligations in to your existing calendar and maybe reprioritize. Sure, definitely. Thank you, Betty. So what I would say to start with is as you're incorporating these new rules, you know, you're you're drafting new procedures and just making sure that your procedures match your calendar and vice versa. So I think that's really important because you it, at that point in time when you're writing it, you're you know, mentally kind of in that space of, okay, what are all the tasks that are involved with these things that I'm saying that I need to do in my in my policies and procedures? And it gives you the opportunity to then add that, like Candy and Lance both mentioned, just if it's something that needs to be done quarterly, well, then you put it every couple of months. If it's something that you feel you need to test on an annual basis, then it's one time a year. A calendar is also great for not just the new rules, but also some of the old rules and requirements. Some of these could be things like when you have to start filing your um, your 13F um, form because you've hit a, a certain threshold of assets with your firm. Uh, and, it, you know, that has to be done on a quarterly basis. So it's great to have a reminder that says, hey, I need to go out and, and run a list of all of my NMS securities and I need to scrub them against the um, SEC Edgar list, and I need to upload the information to Edgar. So those are, you know, those are three, three decent requirements that have to be done for the end result. So you have that in your manual, but, you know, do you also have that in your, um, you know, those specific tasks in your calendar? So I think it kind of goes hand in hand with identifying who is responsible for the task, it's kind of the who, what, where, when, and why, and you you have that listed in your calendar, and again, that should also match your procedures. It's also a great way to kind of take a look at what your activities will need to be for the next month, the next quarter, for the year in general, 
it's a, also a good way to see what items that you can delegate to other individuals that that may be able to do some of the I don't want to say grunt work, but going and pulling reports that you can then review. And it's also a great way to look at how much time you need to allot over the course of the year or a quarter and you know make sure that you have the proper compliance resources in place. Yeah, I think when I uh, a couple of really good things that come out of that one is you do have regulatory deadlines and calendars have often been used to sort of say I've, I've got to file my focus report on this date and FINRA certainly has a good calendar of all their regulatory due dates. But when you look at their calendar and, and, and you think about risk based compliance, what you would see on the FINRA calendar is really the required deadlines and not really the things that Lance is talking about with DOL, which is you have to do it at least annually, but there's no specific day that you have to have it done like a registration renewal. And so it's risk-based approach to those things as well. And I think having your, your procedure manual lined up to your calendar can really be important because otherwise you come up with some pretty aspirational procedures that you may not have time to implement that may not have a mechanism for implementation. And I think you can look at your compliance calendars, a mechanism for compliance because it it takes you from the we will do this or, or we won't do this to this person will do this on this day uh, within this time frame. And I think that is really, really important. Lance, I'm, I've been uh, fortunate to uh, have the DOL uh, compliance program in place now for a little bit. I've done some testing of rollover documentations and things like that a few times. And uh, fortunately, we've had no reason to go back to the DOL and confess or uh, to, to go back to clients and make adjustments. At what point do you think you start sort of looking at your, your time frames of your testing and adjusting those, either dialing it up or dialing it back a little bit? I think, again, it, it really comes from the SEC's requirement that your compliance program be tailored to your individual business. And even though there are a lot of generic programs and generic calendars and generic manuals out there, really the approach is, as people have said about other topics, I'll know it when I see it. When I feel better about something, I'll back it off a little bit. When I feel like my controls are solid and our activities are repeatable and consistent and, and I feel good about the data that I'm using to, to do the testing and my outcomes, and then I might back things off a little bit. If I see a problematic area, even if it's something temporal that's due to a specific circumstance or, or activity in the marketplace or new rulemaking, those are the areas that I want to focus on. So those are the things that I'm going to test more more frequently. Right. And Sarah, I know you've worked with our, our solutions calendars, which are more kind of automated workflow schedules, if you will. But what are some of the challenges that you've seen come out of having a, a compliance calendar that may tell you it needs some tuning? Well, the first thing I would say is looking at when you start out 
as a smaller firm where the same person is doing most of the tasks on the calendar, it, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to, you know, keep a spreadsheet or a Word document with the things that you need to do for each, each month and quarter and for the year. As you grow, though, you have, you know, more assets within the firm. You may or may not have additional filings that we've discussed that need to be done on a, an annual or quarterly basis based on that, on the investments that you have. But you also, when you start, when you're growing and you start to delegate, it gets more difficult to manage from kind of a more manual Word document or Excel spreadsheet. So that's where we've seen some real opportunity with clients utilizing the solutions compliance calendar because it kind of, I wouldn't say set it and forget it, but you have the opportunity to, instead of having everybody have to go to, a, you know, a shared Excel spreadsheet or shared Word document, you can actually assign tasks to kick off and start that are assigned to different individuals and then track and monitor the progress, see which things are open. It just kind of, it, it kind of incorporates the technology into, you know, all the requirements that are needed to be done throughout the year and easily be able to manage through the process, see what things have fallen to the wayside, things that need to be completed. Um, but it also, again, it helps you kind of guide your, your next couple of weeks, depending on what's coming up and what time of the year is. So some, sometimes the year are busier than others. The beginning of the year, you know, got ADV season is what we call it. So you have, you know, you've got a, a lot of, awful lot of things to review before you submit your updated ADV documents at the end of March or whenever you need to based on your the end of your fiscal year. So it, it helps keep you organized. Yeah, and I think Candy thinking through what Sarah just said, I think as firms grow and there are more and more people doing more and more tasks. I mean, I think we we often think of compliance as again a manual uh, a person, but compliance is really about doing your business the way the rules say. And some of these things get beyond the compliance department into trading and operations and other areas where people are having to sort out how they're going to run their business. Have you seen any sort of uh, examples of where that kind of collaboration works better or works from a, uh, a calendar program? Yes, I think sometimes it can be both, right? <clears throat> Depending on, on your business, as Sarah said, the size of your business, how many players you have, you know, in in the process, but I think a calendar is very helpful in at least ensuring that you you have a note, you have documentation, a reminder, if you will, of all of the different areas of the firm that need to be involved in certain aspects of items that are due or reviews that you're doing routinely. And I think to the point of solutions or or any other, you know, software like, you know, even if it's a shared spreadsheet or whatever you're doing, I think if there are more than one person involved in doing the process, that a shared document is very beneficial so everyone can see what's coming up and what's kind of on their particular agenda coming up in the next couple of weeks so they're prepared to handle their process. Equally as important, I think sometimes it's a challenge, as you mentioned, to have more than one player in the whole process and doing the review. But there, I think that may be a time when you want to, instead of having like one calendar item for something, say preparing your ADV annually, then you may have separate calendar items for the operational 
operations department that needs to get the numbers together for you or the list. So that's kind of their task on that calendar. So I think, again, as both Lance and Sarah and yourself have said, it's very important to tailor it to your business. And in doing so, that includes how granular or how general does the item need to be? Do you need to explain exactly what you're expecting if, if another, the trade desk or someone else is having to gather that information for you? So I think overall it can work both ways. Sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it's very beneficial to have more than one person involved in it. So as you get more complex in your organization and you get more people involved, that planning process becomes more important because it's not just your time, it's the firm's time and it's figuring out the aggregate impact of, of the decisions you're making on everyone. So if you've ever been double or triple booked on your calendar for a meeting using Outlook or whatever you use for your email, feels a certain way, think of that as a regulatory deadline where you're double or triple booked and, and it can feel, feel tougher. And, and uh, Lance, I know, well, everybody on this call really has had you know, times where they're they're running multiple compliance programs with multiple compliance and uh, clients, and as you're 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 kind of dealing with a deadline, if it's a regulatory deadline, they all show up at the same time, right? So the ADVs, I mean, if their year ends different, right? It won't necessarily all be March 31st, but if Lance is working with with six clients, March 31st is the same day for all of them. <laughs> and so you're, Lance, you and I have had the good fortune of working together for a dozen years on, on calendars. How do you take those things that aren't regulatory deadline and, and look at your, your plan and try to spread these things out so you don't drive yourself nuts every March and December? Well, I think it goes again back to the regulatory expectation that your calendar will be tailored to your business. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some very different business models, retail, institutional, private funds. And every firm that I've ever worked with has had different nuances to their own business flows. Uh, I work with a firm now who the majority of their business happens in December and January and June and July. Uh, that's where most of their assets get priced. So it's it's just another factor in making sure that you right-size your compliance program to your to your business and, and made it match your business flows. And you're absolutely, again, other than regulatory deadlines, you're absolutely welcome to to move things around on the calendar to the to the extent that it makes sense for you, so that you do have the time to focus on those things, and so that you're not overwhelming yourself with with unnecessary items when you have specific things that have to be done by a, a certain date. Uh, and, and the other thing that I think you always want to remember is that um, nothing ever goes wrong by itself. Certainly when you have one problem gathering data in, in one area of your program, it, it's almost a truism that something else will randomly go wrong that never actually goes wrong in real life either. And those things always, so you always want to plan into that. And I'm sort of a, a, it's like Scotty on Star Trek used to say, okay, it's going to take me a week to get this ready. So I'm going to tell them it's, it'll take three weeks. It, you almost have to build errors into your program because it's either that or you pay for it in sweat and high blood pressure. 
Yeah, Sarah, I think you probably have been doing this uh, certainly long enough to know that you have to expect the unexpected. And uh, how do you build uh, build time for making sure your top 10 number one priorities are in there uh, and that your uh, uh, everything else is, is anticipated to, to come at some point, but you know, maybe today, maybe not today. Well, buddy, it's definitely a balance because, you know, you, you don't want to look at it on the very last day of the month and say, oh, I need to go get all these tasks done because you probably have a lot of other things that you've said, hey, I need to finish these before the end of the month. So spacing them out and delegating is key. And also, like Lance said, I, I mean, he said it perfectly, expect it to take three times longer. And it's not it's not that you're going to find anything bad or wrong. It's just you may go down a path, you may see something where you need to go down that rabbit hole and investigate to make sure everything's okay. And, or possibly develop additional procedures, tweak some procedures, go back and test some additional things. And that takes time and there's nothing wrong with that, but making sure you have enough time, you're right. You do not want to have high blood pressure and stress levels that are through the roof because, because you're trying to do it in a very short period of time. So definitely spreading it out. You know, you really have 365 days to get all of it done. There's a reason for that. So that, that's definitely key. Katie, any final thoughts for your, uh, your audience on calendars? Yeah, sure. Um, kind of following along to what Sarah just said for a moment. Um, I think also with your calendar, you could also prioritize. Like a lot of people like color coding, you know, red for um, high priority, yellow, green. And because I think sometimes as we've talked a little bit about, there are some things that have to be done, right? We're required to do them for the broker dealer, for the RIA. Uh, they Some of them have certain times. Those obviously are red items that they just have to happen. Um, but sometimes we have aspirational things uh, like we talked about that you may wanna test this a little more or start looking into this quarterly or monthly. And I think those could be a lower priority item on your calendar. So if you do run into issues, as Lance and Sarah have talked about, with getting your reports together or you find more problems than you expected, you need to kind of work through those, then you have these lower priority things that you know are just kind of on the best case scenario, you would have done them and would like to do them. But let's try for it again next quarter if it didn't work this quarter. Um, the other things is I think it's important to look at your calendar every year, like when you're ready to start the new year, take a look at what's changed, what rules have changed, uh, have any filing deadlines changed, what are FINRA and the SEC's priorities for the year, make sure that you have implemented those into your calendar well to ensure that your firm's prepared for an examination. If they come in, you have the proper documentation you need. Um, that kind of thing. I think the main thing is to make sure that it's a an evol evolving thing, that you are constantly looking at it, evaluating it, updating it, changing it as it needs to happen with your firm. I'll, I'll leave in one final thing that uh, just leveraging on Kenny and Sarah, unless you've got a, do you have anything you want to add in there? No, I don't. All right, so. Uh, Candy, you mentioned uh, regulatory exams and making sure you have yourself together. That's probably the final thing to consider in your calendar is when you respond to an examiner, 
with the things that you're going to do to resolve an issue or a topic, make sure you get that done. Repeat findings are, are not great things to go through. So a regulatory exam, some of these ripped from the headlines enforcement action type items are good things to take a look and ask yourself, do I have this covered or not? And if you don't, put it in that calendar to make sure that it's it's there, that it gets dealt with. And uh, that even if it isn't really closed up and dealt with, that it's dealt with professionally with your management of your organization to talk through the risks that, that, are, that are in your program and how to tackle those uh, in the right fashion. So I think uh, I wanna thank the, uh, the team today Sarah, Candy, Lance, thank you so much for sharing your experience with, with our listeners. And we hope that you will join us again uh, in the near future. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our experts, our Oyster Solutions governance, risk and compliance software, or how Oyster can help your firm, visit our website at oysterllc.com. If you like what you heard today, Follow us on whatever platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us.